Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling like a forager. Oh, okay. Tell me why. And I'm a forager through the city. And that city might well be New York City, even though I don't live there. But currently, I am (laughs) role-playing in the place of today's guest, who is an incredible painter. And she actually does go on a kind of foraging uh, routine, in a way, which isn't literally picking up um, ingredients to cook, but instead foraging for new ideas. And I've heard about these kind of ritualistic evening walks around New York City where today's guest will find inspiration and um, particularly kind of flora and fauna, I guess, like floral clusters, um, which then become a kind of repeated theme in her painting. And I'm really fascinated to explore this idea of repetition in today's episode as well, because over the years, you and I have both been fans of numerous artists that kind of will pick one specific focus in their work and they they keep repeating it over and over and over and over again but each time it's a completely different painting and actually a completely different energy and it's really interesting this idea of repetition and I'm I'm really fascinated to find out what you know what appeals to today's guest about that in particular they currently have a show on at Delhi Gallery in New York it's their fourth exhibition there and it runs until the 10th of February so um, everybody in New York make sure you go and see this show and we um, we first met in London through Russell Tovey because you curated a show at Grimm Gallery. I had the great pleasure of meeting her there and um, I'm really excited we're finally doing Talk Art together. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art all the way from New York City, Alexandria Tava. Yay, hello. Hi, Alexandria. Hi, how's it going? (laughs) How are you? Good. (laughs) Yeah, things are good. It's rainy, so I'm having like a quiet morning in my studio had breakfast with my mom. She was visiting from Guadalajara, where she lives, and took her to the airport and then came here. It was rainy. She was doing some drawing. So, and now we're talking. It's great. <laughs> this is great. So this is your mom came to see the exhibition, which opened two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is in uh, Tribeca. And this is uh, an exhibition, New Paintings. That's mm-hmm. the title of it. How has it been? What, what has oh the experience God. been like? And what is it like sharing this with your mom? Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, she had a great time at the opening. I mean, so I've shown with Delhi since basically he started, um, but he recently moved to Tribeca about two years ago. And so this is my first time showing in this Tribeca space, which is the first time I've had a solo exhibition in New York and Manhattan, um, which has been a dream come true. It's like I've spent my whole life wanting to be an artist and a painter specifically and to have my New York solo Manhattan downtown and it was a great party and all my friends and family were there and so I'm kind of in recovery mode still but I'm just really excited that the show came together and the team at Delhi was fantastic and yeah so I'm just riding high on all that. That's <laughs> lovely. Where was the gallery space before then? Um, so he had a ground floor in Bushwick in kind of the East Industrial Williamsburg part which I've been living in that area and seeing bands and so it was cool when he was showing there um and before that he had a loft space in long island city and before that he had a very humble empty apartment for a month (laughs) so um seeing delhi grow and being friends with max for this amount of years it's like my cinderella moment (laughs) so this is uh max marshall who Mm -hmm. uh 
I've spoken to lots, who's who's very, very cool. Have you then showed in every single one of these spaces with Max? Was you there? You have. Yeah, now I have, <laughs> which is... Um, well, this is your fourth show, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he's had four Yeah, but in every single space that, that, that Delhi's cool. appeared in. Why did he call it Delhi? Did it start in a Delhi? It did not start in a Delhi. Um, as far as my understanding, well, since the foundation of the gallery, um, so back in 20, maybe 15, maybe 2016, I think 2015, he always wanted to represent artists who were people of color, queer, everything that's not uh, formally represented in the art world. So he was doing it a little bit before it got kind of trendier in the pandemic era. Um, so the idea of the deli is like kind of this neighborhood shop where different cultures come together to share food, share stories, you know, um, meet up, you know, beatbox outside, whatever. So the deli was kind of this um idea of like a celebration of different communities that and putting it into an art context just to show new voices. Uh, Max has always been committed to that. And it's amazing that there's been so much uh, response to that in the last five years or so. I think he was doing the right thing. <laughs> how, how has it been working with a gallery that's growing at the same time that you are? So you're kind of rising through the art world together. Has that been something really crucially important for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I tend to be quite loyal to things that I feel intuitively are good, either for me personally or just like I like being part of um, teams and people who are doing things for the right reasons without like too much hustle or pressure or whatever. Um, so choosing my kind of like I knew Max before he was a dealer. We were just kind of friends, you know, being in our early 20s in New York and hanging out and doing DIY shows and whatever. Um, so seeing him like be so committed to his um basically his project. Um, I kind of see a mirror in that in my commitment to my art and my painting and just being with somebody who's serious about it is kind of what you want because <laughs> there's so many kind of like slimy characters in any media field, you know. Have you come, and you've come across slimy characters in the art world? <laughs> I try to avoid them. <laughs> yeah. But you can spot them and you've had experiences. <laughs> yeah, and wow. artists talk amongst each other so we like know who what's what so you can't, so it's, you can't really get away with much or you can until you don't. So for me, being like aware of what's going on and having just such a wonderful support system through Dally Gallery has been really made my life great. <laughs> great. Do you find there's a difference between or, or, or a real kind of shift? You said you've now got your exhibition in Manhattan. You've had a mm -hmm. show in Brooklyn. As mm -hmm. a New York based artist, do you feel there is a big difference when you have an exhibition in Brooklyn to have an exhibition in Manhattan? Yeah, I mean, when I like, I mean, I love Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. It's great. Uh, my husband's family is from Brooklyn. I have like a lot of love for it, you know, as a place. <laughs> it feels like home to me. Um, but there's something about the city that has that more like kind of edge, that energy. When I see bands play, like I go to their show at Bowery Ballroom, people are going crazy. I go to their show at like elsewhere and people are standing with their arms crossed kind of thing. So <laughs> I feel like Manhattan's a place where people can kind of let loose. And it's closer to where a lot of artists and cultural institutions are that I want to have a dialogue with. So being right in the thick of it is like, yeah, you don't have to take the train or take a cab, you know, 40 minutes. <laughs> you can just go into the city and go to like Odeon and go see the gallery show and then go to my husband's bar for a drink. <laughs> yeah, there's something about Manhattan that just has a great energy. Well, your husband's bar where you have a drink, you've actually created a mural in that mm -hmm. bar. 
that's yeah. a permanent piece. That was last the beginning of last year you revealed that, right? Yeah, they opened it. So it's called Victoria. It's in the Lower East Side on Eldridge Street. So it's a place where, like, he comes from a rock and roll background, the owners do. Um, so they wanted to create, like, a place where a lot of young musicians and artists can hang out. And um, they one of the owners has admired my work for a long time, and she said that she really wanted one for the bar. So... Um, this was kind of right after the pandemic, um, when things started opening up again, I think they opened in 2022. So we were kind of just coming off of that. So there were some things that I had seen and experienced and wanted to make based on my relationship to the lockdown. Um, and it was a great opportunity. And so he, I made those, I was like, Oh, I don't know. These are so good. Your bar is so nice and pretty, like this won't look good. But then I delivered them and then he put them up on the wall and I was like, Oh, okay. This looks good here. <laughs> You're proud of that. Yeah. Well, so what was your experience as an artist then during the pandemic? Well, I work full time outside of painting. Um, so that went away um, for a short amount of time. And then I got like a quick other job because um, one of my friends, um, he worked for a production company, the Navy Yard, and they got um, a license from the city to do turn that into an assembly line to make face shields. Um, for healthcare workers. Um, So for about six months, three times a week, I was just doing eight hour shifts of taping stuff together. (laughs) Um, So I felt like I was able to contribute because the city was in the crazy like ambulances every two hours. And then it was all the Black Lives Matter with the helicopters and stuff. So it was a really crazy time, Um, but I was able to find stability um, I'd lost my studio, but then started drawing more. And then I found another studio and then I made a, actually that's when I showed with um, Delhi and Bushwick was I think summer of 2021. So I was making some work at that time, which kind of helped me having that show helped me kind of keep my focus and because so many things were falling apart around me. But at the same time, I was hanging out with a lot of our friends. Um, one of our friends was a bartender in the city. So we would like, me and my husband would walk over the bridge, go visit him. And kind of like the city was empty. So we kind of had a lot of fun too. Like just being like, it felt like we were kids in a playground. <laughs> so there's a lot of dynamics that were happening. But I think I was able to use the time to learn how to adapt, to learn how to be grateful for the people in my life and for my practice. And I think since then, I've come to life with a really a new acceptance for how wonderful and how lucky we actually are to be here because it could all just go away <laughs> yeah for sure we, we first met well i first met you anyway in uh, march 2023 when russ did an exhibition a group show called close at grim mm-hmm. gallery in london and um we had a really nice uh, hangout that evening and we, we chatted a lot about your work and i was really struck by how meticulous each painting was because you had a few paintings in the show and they were both of these kind of floral uh, kind of arrangement kind of paintings and there's one in particular that really struck my imagination which was the night one um with the kind of black background and i, I I've, I've read since that you go on these kind of walks like I mentioned in the introduction can you speak a bit about that specific series of work yeah so I kind of started approaching the floral subject um maybe around like 2013 because I've I mean I've always loved kind of flower paintings like Ellsworth Kelly's flower plant drawings I have that book and it's like my bible kind of um (laughs) and I really love Manet's flower paintings just like the sensibility and the kind of life and death And my friend, um, who I kind of 
went to school with Jason Mathams, who's a wonderful painter. He shows with Magenta Plains. They he was curating a show of his friends and he wanted and some of the professors at NYU where I went for undergrad in San Francisco and he wanted all us to make flower paintings, you know, so it was kind of like, okay, sure, let me try it. And I was doing it for a while. Um, I was just buying ones from like the deli and doing like little still lives in like a cup. And then a couple weeks went by and then I was with my father um, who he came to visit me in New York and told me that he has cancer. He's going to like it's fatal, but we have this time together and that kind of shock and dealing with that time in my life, the flowers like became this kind of lifeline for me where like I couldn't just stop painting because I need a paint to live. And I kind of came to like the flowers became something that I could like kind of when I'm walking or looking around, something that can keep me present when dealing with a lot of stress and things that I can't even like think emotionally um, to describe. So I was I kind of came locked into it, you know, or it found me and grabbed me and took a hold of me. And then over the years, as dealing with grief and coming back to life and moving through sorrow and everything, the flowers kind of still remain. And then instead of like buying cut ones, I started looking around and seeing like beautiful clusters in like, you know, someone's garden or like something overgrown on a fence with like, you know, in a dirty park, you know, so it's kind of became looking at little things that are like elements of hope. So that's kind of how I see it. So when I see something and it kind of catches my eyes, like, oh, that's beautiful. That like keeps me present in the moment. And it, it makes me appreciate this thing. So each painting is kind of like a diary of different moments that have brought me out of my head. I guess you can kind of describe it that way. <laughs> do you photograph them then or do you sketch them in the moment if you see them? If you're not, if you're not getting the cut ones, that is, if you're seeing ones outside. If I have time, like uh, mostly it's stuff that I see when I'm like on my commute or whatever. So like, luckily we have these things called phones where you can just take a picture in one second. <laughs> um, but I'll take a photo of it just to kind of remember. And then um, I'll spend some time making a drawing of that photo and then making a painting of the drawing that I've made. So I kind do of you like, always do a drawing. Do you always do studies? Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen any of your studies. I don't did, did these things you show. I, I haven't shown them yet, but yeah. there's there's a pile. Okay, <laughs> They're yeah. sitting. I bet um, there is, yeah. Yeah. I mean sometimes it's quick, but um I feel like the drawings really give me the emotional foundation from which I want the painting to exist. Yeah. There, there is a section on your website which has works on paper mm-hmm. and it has a few, about five or six works. I think what some of them have oil though, I noticed. Yeah, I've done... So they're like oil and, and pencil. Yeah, <laughs> I have done... Yeah, I mean, I come from a very drawing background, like grew up with like a sketchbook in my hand all the time. And um, some of my like professors in college would always say like, oh, you paint right now, but you're always like a drawer really deep down. I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I can paint too. But really when I need time to like think of myself or have ideas, um, it's always drawing or something on paper where that kind of gives me something. Like I haven't needed a racer in my hand right now because this is my favorite thing to hold, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of things were you drawing when you were growing up? Um, mostly like angry squiggles, um, sometimes houses, like landscape was something that was really important to me at an early age, just growing up in the suburbs, tract housing kind of landscape and outside of Houston. So, I mean, I did my fair share of ponies when I was really little. 
um, <laughs> the things. <laughs> what, what was what was that? There were so many girls in my class would be drawing horses and ponies. It was just like and boys. I used to do it too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you used to do it too, Rob. But it was like it, it was a it was like a, a trend, and I think well, every generation. Frank, my little Lisa ponies. Frank game became really big when I was young. So there was like the oh, horse I don't know who that is. It's like this cartoon horse with like blue iridescent colors that everyone was obsessed with. I don't know. We had My Little Pony. <laughs> I think that was what it was. That's a big one. <laughs> so the 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 flowers that you're coming to, I mean, do you walk into people's apartments and just see their houseplants straight away? Are you yeah. like, is it a thing where that's what you're kind of drawn to now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, no judgments. There... I'm just looking, you know. <laughs> and do you have to see the flowers in real life for you to sketch and paint them or are, are you ever using imagination now i mean there is um a little bit of uh creative license that i take with some of the images um so that is definitely a part of it i'm not just like depicting something one-to-one and sometimes people even ask me like oh what are the species of flat and i'm like i don't know <laughs> you know <laughs> i just like the way it looks and the idea that it the things that it conjures up um so yeah but it is important for me to like see it something or to like have some kind of grounding in reality because like I said they do exist as kind of a diary and kind of a, a wellness practice I guess when I'm and you uh, work making. you work daily it's something that you do daily now like diary entries yeah and it's if it's not um if I'm not sitting in front of the canvas or drawing directly I'm thinking about it or I'm planning something or I'm collecting um, images um, or ideas so it is kind of like a daily thing yeah is, is there a kind of emotional weight with the selection of the flora so so like it, does it have to be in a moment that you've seen it that you're feeling something whether it be joy or or you know anxiety or depth of emotion to do with grief or, or what have you like does it have to have that resonance or can it literally just be the shape? <laughs> I think it's mostly the shape, but then the shape kind of opens opens up a emotion inside of me that I depict into the canvas. So it's something that like if I see something, I'm aware of how I'm feeling and I'm usually not aware of how I'm feeling just to get by day to day. Like I'm constantly, you know, working or doing something or I have to like stay busy. But when I see something that kind of, awakens a sense of self-awareness and that's something that's uh i use that those emotions that i find um when i'm drawing and making the work so you support your practice in a minute like many emerging artists have to uh you have a full-time job that you've mentioned and you work in retail in an amazing store called assembly in the lower east side and when we first connected you were there and you're still there and you said that you were very loyal and this job is obviously supported your practice as well because you've been able to go off and do this but but as an emerging artist as, a, as an artist that's growing having these jobs is that incredibly important but also does it get to a stage where it's starting to affect your studio practice yeah I mean for me I've been with assembly for about 10 years now um running the store and everything but I feel like working there has given me an opportunity to kind of be in New York and be around artists and creative like designers like things that are happening in fashion are great and fun especially now um and so there's a lot of young 
creative elements that I love supporting and that Assembly has been a place of support for. And there's also, we can hire people who are also like me that are emergent artists that need like a place in the city, but it's a cool place and you meet a lot of people there. And so it's been a commitment and it's hard, it's hard work, but um, building that kind of helps me take outside of my practice, outside of my head. So when I'm coming to the studio, I'm coming determined and focused because yeah, there's not enough hours in the day, but at the same time... Now when do you work then? <laughs> well, I have some days off, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> those are days I have studio. I work a lot in the evening. Like I said, like um, being most of my friends are musicians or artists or people who work in restaurants and build cool things that are involved with nightlife. So like they're working at night, I'm working at night. We're just kind of making stuff <laughs> all the time. Um, so having that kind of balance, I, I, I made it work for me, which is something that mm. is hard to do. But I think what I'm doing in my studio is really important for myself. So being what I'm doing in my endeavors outside the studio are also important for supporting others and making something that's cool. And then something that can also provide me the stability to buy nice paints and <laughs> be okay with yeah, like sure. <laughs> taking time to not make paintings in order to make the paintings that I want to make down the line. Cause I don't want to ever have to rush my practice, which sometimes financial commitments will make you do. Yeah. I think sometimes having the routine as well and some, a, a break from the studio is actually really healthy because yeah. it almost means that when you are in the studio, that limited time becomes way more productive. Yeah. So I think, I think that makes total sense really. And like I said, there's a lot of artists that I know who like sometimes they need like, you know, some money or whatever, and I can hire them at the store and that helps them get out yes. of their head a little bit and then come back to, I mean, something about this working retail that's really simple, but it's still engaging and you talk to people and you meet a lot of people. And if you can do it in a cool place that is run by a very supportive independent owner and you're around, you're in the heart of Manhattan where it's like there's a lot of cool action happening all around you. Um, I think it's very important for artists not to be isolated within their own practice because you find inspiration in ways that you wouldn't have if you were just like facing a wall and dealing with your stuff all the time, <laughs> you know? Have you found uh, your community, your, your kind of art crew, and has that been easy to navigate? Kind of, like, like I said, like a lot of my friends are mostly musicians. Those are the people that I <laughs> kind of like hanging out with because, I don't know, we can get drunk and party and celebrate things <laughs> in like a fun way. Um, and I really do love music as an art form. But there's you, people- You listen to music in the studio, right? I don't listen in the studio. Um, if I'm oh. um, I was told at a very young age that um, when I was in school that listening to people talk is better for the art brain than listening to music. And I don't know the science behind that. I can't tell you if that's true or not. But for once I heard that from one of my professors, um, I just only listen to podcasts or watch documentaries. You only listen to talk. I only listen to talk. I mean, it's great. I mean, <laughs> I will tell you that whenever I feel like too wrapped up in a war history documentary and I'm like, oh, I listen to talk art and I feel so much better and so much more inspired. <laughs> 
good so, endorsement, Alexandria. Yeah. Thank you very <laughs> it's much. True. In your new in your new show, I noticed that there's two paintings which aren't flowers, obviously, because they're very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is of kits, which is drum kits, mm-hmm. uh, which I love as an image. I think it's a really striking image. So, is that linked to your friendships with musicians? Yeah. So before I was did my flower series or started doing that before the subject matter kind of took over my life. Um, I was mostly going to shows and taking pictures of like before the band goes on in that quiet moment of anticipation, like the pictures of the stage and then taking that image like with my digital camera before I could just do it on my phone (laughs) and then taking that image and making paintings because seeing bands is one of the reasons I moved to New York besides pursuing art. Like I love that (laughs) in more ways than I can imagine and going to shows is how I've met most of my friends um, in a community that is super supportive. Um, There was a great place called Chase Stadium in Brooklyn that was a DIY musician-run venue. A lot of the DIY venues of that era closed after the ghost ship fire in Oakland. Like, they just shut everything down. Um, What's that? What's the ghost ship fire? um, It was in, I think it was in Oakland, maybe in, like, 2016, because a lot of these spaces... It's kind of a continuance of the like alternative spaces. Like, I mean, the factory like might have been more official, but there were all kinds of like venues where artists would meet and hang out, but they weren't really up to code because that would be kind of expensive to do. Uh, And um, so there was unfortunately one of of those kinds of places that was run very badly and it was very dangerous. And there was a big fire that a number of, kids lost their life um and so since that happened there was a there was maybe like eight or nine of these places that i would hang out in in new york like the city had to shut them all down because it just was too dangerous but we had a lot of fun (laughs) in the times like because you could really like pay five bucks to see a band play and then it would be a big party and like beers were cheap and everybody just wanted to hang out and it stayed open at all hours and so there was like a lot of life and action and beauty in those spaces that is kind of hard to find in the city right now because everything is up to code got it golden times well so so growing mm-hmm. up in houston in texas you've said that you love ellsworth kelly's plant drawings i know that you've mentioned mirandi before in interviews but mm-hmm. you were very close to the manil collection and there's a really incredible room there that uh, you would almost visit daily. Can we talk a bit about that? Yeah. So when I was maybe like 14 or 15, um, I was doing some paintings in my high school. Like they had um, an oil painting program (laughs) um, that I just like took to like immediately. And one of my teachers there, an artist named Terry Supreme, who works in Houston, um, he saw me, you know, I was just kind of like, angsty emo kid who was making these paintings of houses that were all angsty and he was like oh you should check out the menial like there's um it's a good museum it's free and I think maybe I was 15 because I could drive and so I took my car uh well 16 you know (laughs) um and went there and like it was like a Renzo piano like building that he renovated so the light and everything was beautiful and then you go through the main collection and it's like oh sorry and then the surrealism and then behind it there's um another gallery that's um for mark rothko so that's where the rothko chapel is and so everyone's like oh rothko chapel beautiful but then next to that there's the Twombly gallery which when i first went into that room not knowing who he was or anything um i was like totally blown away because those paintings immediately had this kind of energy and this 
intelligence, but also a very kind of raw sensibility. Um, and I, as soon as I went there and I knew it was free and all the people that were, cause it's mostly I think volunteer workers. So there was this like lovely old man who would like, you know, be very quiet and smiley. And he made me feel like special for being there. Um, but I just would visit Wednesday through Sunday, almost anytime I had a day off, um, just to like contemplate the paintings and think about how I'm going to be an artist one day. And um, there's a lot of poetry in them. So you can really look at them for a long time. And like the words don't make sense, but they do. And you discover it's like visiting a book over and over that you love. Um, so I was really happy when my parents, when I left New York, I would have a great reason to visit Houston to see my parents there um, Wednesday through Sunday. So I could go there <laughs> and get my oh, fix. You time it with that. <laughs> yeah, so I did funny. that for a long the- time. <laughs> But this flower motif that Twombly has, which is this mm-hmm. kind of elongated, sort of flattened motif, I've seen appear in your paintings multiple times, kind of. And I, and I to, to see that sort of lineage and to see his mm-hmm. the impression he's made on you then go into your paintings is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, his paintings are a lot more aggressive, I feel like, and his approach But they're flowers. angsty. You were talking about yeah, angsty. I mean, the, the, angsty. the scratchiness of it. And I know that at points you have scratched into your work mm-hmm. as well at times. Yeah. But that, if you were coming from like an emo angsty kid doing these houses to then see Twombly's work, and then now you're making floral works, it's, it's, it's a real kind of nice journey. Yeah, well, because it kind of goes from outside to inside. So I learn, you know, as like you're a child growing up, you're fascinated by the world. You're what's this? What's this? What's this? So making landscape paintings, making paintings of things um, was important to me for a long time. But now, like, like he basically taught me that you can get references from things, but um, having the art come from your own soul or your own like kind of depth um, and to be cognizant of your own sense of relationship to bigger ideas or historical motifs rather than just the things in front of you. Um, I think that was like an important realization for me. And it's something that I'm going to spend my entire life trying to figure out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love that idea of you sitting in that room in that uh, museum collection and and sort of saying to yourself, you know, I want to be an artist one day. Where do you think that came from? Was art something that always was easier for you uh, to express yourself through? Because obviously you're so connected to music and musicians, mm-hmm. but you didn't decide to go and, you know, be a, a yeah, bassist or a drummer or a singer. I'm terrible at making music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you want to participate in a different way and express yourself through art, through oil painting or Yeah, I mean, I think I really love the smell of the space. Like, that's something that I just felt like this medium, this material, this is something that I just want to be around and try to make something out of. And um, my parents were always really supportive um, because neither of them grew up with the means to be able to pursue a a career that was something creative, even though they're both creative people. Um, So it kind of felt like 
in order to like kind of honor my family, in order to be attached to something that is interesting or a world of ideas, because I read a lot. I was reading a lot of philosophy as a young person trying to understand the world. And art is something that became like a medium that I felt comfortable enough with or engaged enough with to be able to create a life around it. (laughs) And your mum wanted to be an artist growing up. So she really supported your endeavors. Yeah, she like grew up dirt poor in Mexico City, came to America to live the dream, um, worked in computers for a long time. But um, she had to do that just as you can afford for us to like go to nicer schools and do that kind of thing. Um, but she always like she would draw flowers like when we were children, like going out to eat and, you know, they gave you the crayons at the table and she would draw little flowers and stuff. And I draw little hearts. And <laughs> I do remember think of that a lot when I'm making work <laughs> now. Um, you also made a drawing as a kid, um, which you said gave you anxiety of a tree. Yeah. And it was something I love this story. Can, I, can we hear about that one? <laughs> yeah. So I think like when people ask me what my first like experience with art was because both my parents worked um, all the time, like full-time jobs. So they would put me and my brother in after-school programs um, in lieu of daycare and sometimes daycare too. But they put me in a drawing class when I was maybe like four, you know, like kids sit down with pencils, like very official, like graphite pencils. And I remember the teacher was like, draw this tree. And she opened this book and it was like this tiny picture. And it was like a really dense tree with like, leaves and it was just like I was looking at that I'm like there's no way I can draw this like are you kidding I'm four you know (laughs) and I felt that like oh I have to do it like the dread but like the oh I have to do it let me just do it so it's like I started drawing it but like I immediately had this like crisis (laughs) of how I can do it but then I drew the tree I drew all the little leaves it was probably just like a little smushy squiggle but Overcoming that taught me the lessons that I needed to make my show in Manhattan happen this last week. <laughs> you've still got that. You've still got this drawing, haven't you, in your life? I it's I know where it is. It's in storage, <laughs> so it's somewhere deep in there. <laughs> that's cute, but that's a real memory that's etched with you, isn't it? From like yeah. that's you're four and you can remember that anxiety of trying to draw a tree. That's amazing. Like I don't remember too much from my childhood, but I remember that <laughs> as far as making art. <laughs> I know earlier you were listening to Ryan Murphy's episode and we mentioned an artist in that episode that I loved um, and Russell does too. But I I remember when I first discovered Maureen Paley Gallery in East London, Mm -hmm. an artist I saw was Maureen Gallace. Mm -hmm. And I loved her paintings of houses and they're these repeated series and I've seen them at the Whitney and I've seen them all over the world. I think I've seen them in Mexico and they've they've, they've really become a global exhibited Mm -hmm. uh, body of work now. And you were actually mentored by... Maureen, mm-hmm. which I just can't believe. It's like, yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear world. how that was. It's such a small yeah. world, but also it makes sense because her work has that re- repetition mm-hmm. and you love repetition because obviously you've done the drum kits or the band stages and you've done the flowers. Can you speak a bit about mentoring and particularly Maureen, your relationship with her? Yeah, I mean, we met because um, I was doing undergrad at NYU um, and she was part of the program there, like teaching and so it was maybe my second or third year when I got to take one of her classes and I was in kind of a little crazy time in my life, like just moving to New York, being young, um, coming with all these like I- angsty ideas or whatever. 
And but knowing that I wanted to be an oil painter and in undergrad, there's, you know, a lot of people are discovering themselves or doing this and that. But like I knew that I didn't want to take the introduction to oil. I already know what it's like. I just want to be a focused artist. And I took our class and we like really got along well. Um, I just took her classes over and over and over again. Um, we would email all the time. We didn't really like it's funny because the way she taught was extremely subtle, but in the subtlety, there was the most overpowering sense of validation if you were serious about what you wanted to do. So she gave me tons of books. She told me like which brushes would be best for which kind of practice, which mediums would be like what I want to do. And for me, like learning how to be comfortable in my own skin to get over hard things that were happening and sense of self. She was always there to provide kind of this like grounding, like I could always email her and she'd respond right away. And we'd talk shit about all kinds of stuff and politics. And she really also likes music too. So she gave me a lot of like musician autobiographies to use <laughs> or to read and um, use as inspiration um, for just being a person in New York. And she taught me a lot about what it's like to be an artist in New York, but not in a way that's, it's a way that's like, yeah, you go out at night, you hang out with people, you take chances with stuff, you meet cool people, but you also have to trust yourself. And I mean, her work and her sensibility is like exactly what, because it, it honors paint so much. It doesn't try to hide that it's painting, but it's so smart and so puts painting at the forefront and just her sense of medium and like the lack of fear that these paintings kind of exhibit um, and the peacefulness and they just like make you want to just like uh, relax but then also they're kind of funny you know <laughs> yeah she's just like a wonderful force in my life and introduced me to Billy Sullivan who I worked for for a few years out of school um, and oh, always- in his studio mm-hmm yeah, he was great. He oh, was right. at the opening. What, what was that like? Years. What was that working working for an artist in a studio? I mean, it was it was another one. Like I was working for him a couple days a week. I was hosting at a restaurant. I was working at the Sierra. So I was like working all downtown, like bouncing around. Um, but um, he was he's a wonderful person and so supportive. And like I would help him like mix his palette and organize his like files and stuff. And we just have lunch and talk about you know art or exhibitions and stuff and because he grew up like or in the city like in the 70s and 80s came of age and he comes from like the gay nightlife art 90s 80s so he exists at the intersection of a lot of things that I was always been fascinated over and he was so generous in sharing his knowledge and his sense of humor and everything that it was a bummer when I decided to work full-time one place but yeah he has a show up or he did recently at Kaufman Repetto in the city I believe and he has something at the Flag Art Foundation which is yeah he's I mean he's as someone who draws like he's the master of pastels and drawing and his sense of light and his colors was something that I learned a lot from and the way that he has this kind of tenderness towards his subject matter and to the people that he's come across that's something he's sort of been overlooked often. for a little while hasn't he and now he's having a, a real moment and I think Nicholas Party brought him into a group show which sort of gave some more recognition mm-hmm. and he's always been around but I think he's an artist artist for sure yeah. did you take anything from working in his studio and having that experience with him into your own studio practice that you still do 
I, yes, he was, um, he taught me about having those tubes, the, those little lever things that you get to, like, with paint is stuck in a tube. <laughs> so there's like this Oh, little, like a little kind of um, yeah, uh, Oh my a gosh, vice. I saw that in Russell's flat the other day yeah, I got it for, my for toothpaste. toothpaste. Yeah. Like a little vice. And I'd never seen it before. And I was like, Russ, what the hell is that? It's so cool. It's great it's for painting tubes. <laughs> yep. um, I got little more vice. comfortable with uh, sable brushes because that's something that he used a lot. I'm really struck by that story, though, of those two mentors mm-hmm. about how they sort of just took you seriously. They could see that you were passionate and committed and they kind of took you seriously and just treated you like you are an artist, which you are, of course. But at that age, that must be so important just to almost yeah. feel like you're seen or believed, you know, in your purpose. Yeah. And so it's like at that time, like, you know, I wasn't getting a lot. I wasn't. I mean, it was I feel like. Now there's more like in this last five, six, 10 years, um, artists who come out of school that are showing at a really young age and like, cause there's more mm. galleries. So there's more emerging artists, but at that time it felt like, like it was only like 10 years ago that in order, like, I always had this idea that I would show when I'm older, you know, but in the meantime, I need to like make work. I need to like make my own experience. I need to do my, curate my own shows or whatever. So having them like support me from a more because they come from a generation that I want to model myself after and having them like support Mm -hmm. me. But then also knowing that I had the freedom to do my own thing, it kind of brought me. Yeah, gave me just allowed me to have a sense of purpose and stick with my practice and learn a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot about both of them, like a sense of color and material that carried through to my work that I'm still the ideas that they have are they're like um, kind of roadmaps to the, my future, <laughs> you know, and knowing that they're doing it still, you know, like, I mean, they're older than me. And it's something that like I learned from them, too, that painting is kind of this lifelong commitment and yeah. seeing art like an, like there was at the opening, like Billy was there. There was Jane. Dickinson, Jane Dixon was there, who's yeah, a wonderful yeah, artist. Yeah. Um, Again, Jane, been overlooked for many years and now having a real moment. Yeah. yeah. And her like I had met her before she had the big karma show. And we were, I was like, oh, I have the show at Delhi, you know, in eight months. And she's like, I have my karma show in like four months. Don't worry, we'll do it. You know. And so when I was like stressed out about my opening, she was like, I was thinking of her a lot and the way that she's come to her career and that she can like make these incredible paintings and fill a room with like another like nighttime kind of New yeah. York kind of thing. Um, she's And then there's another artist, um, Jane Swavely, who has a show at Magenta Plains next week. She was there at the beginning and I've known her like on and off through Billy over the years. And she's a wonderful painter of a generation that, yeah, they're just people who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> you said earlier on that you're not money orientated, but the money you do get from selling art is like a feeding system and goes into getting good paints, is what you yeah. said. So what what is the good paints? What are the materials that you're using in your practice? Because also people looking at the work might not be aware that you work on panel a lot as well. Yeah, so getting panels. I mean, panels aren't that expensive, but um, it's just like this blue color that I have. It's like to get it nice, you really need the nice blues. And then the blues are very expensive, like just a tube of... Why would that be? I think because of the pigment is more rare. So um, in order to get that really nice cerulean or like a lapis lazuli kind of color, like those tubes cost a lot of money. (laughs) Old Holland is the one. How much? Like a small one could be a hundred bucks. Like Really? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. 
Yeah, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> you really use that color a lot. I mean, yeah. You get through tubes and tubes of that. Like, well, that's keep why selling. I, yeah. I can't, yeah, I got to work. That's why you need that device to, to make sure you you're getting clamp, every little, little tiny device, bit yeah. out yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Out, and wow, then sometimes you slice it open. Yeah, they're not cheap. I had cheap. no idea. So Old Holland and that Cerulean Blue and that's $100 a tube. 80 yeah. And then sometimes you need the bigger tubes because you go... And then the brushes can be that much too, like a big 16-inch. That's a nice sable. It could be like $50, $80. See, I go to the art supply store. Like art, Soho Art Materials is great. Please support their business if you're a New York artist. But I just like get to the register and just like swipe the card, <laughs> you know? <'Cause, laughs> Don't look. Yeah. yeah. How do you... <laughs> How do you feel about selling work now? Because you've got this show and I know there's mm-hmm. been a few works have been, well, a lot of works have been placed and there's a lot of discussions going on. What is it like as an artist knowing that people are living with your work like myself and yeah. enjoying that? <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, no, I mean, my approach is like, you know, the prices are what they are. I let the gallery deal with that. But for me, it's really about like having something that people live with you know, because um, I want them to exist. Like I have a few paintings from different artists, um, not much, but I those paintings really mean a lot to me when I'm sitting at home and a moment of despair or a moment of joy um, to be able to turn and look at something that has an energy that is life affirming is something that that's why I paint because I want people to be affirmed, <laughs> you know. So do you do you do you consider an audience affirming an audience when you're making these works? I mean, that's like the art that has captured me, you know. Like whether it's like seeing like Alex Katz's like night paintings, which I love, the ones of like buildings and the windows, or Marie, Maureen's paintings, or like even there's this artist um, Peter Trayer who does like paintings of just cups. Oh, yeah, the um, glasses those, of water and stuff. Yeah. yeah, just like that kind of repetition um, or just seeing that makes me like feel good. Like, oh, there's somebody doing something crazy, but like there's something really beautiful about this thing that exists that this person created that makes me feel better about life. <laughs> and that's um, what and I want Repetition make. as well is interesting because they say that if you do something for 10 years, it's boring. You do it for 20 years, you're a genius. Uh, yeah. and it feels like a lot of these artists that you're saying, Peter, Peter Dreyer's work and Maureen's mm-hmm. work is like, it's it's a repetitive, like, uh, um, focus and, and a motif that's mm-hmm. worked again and again and again and again. And suddenly, it, it, then it all makes sense yeah. it, when you have, like, distance from it. Yeah, it's like a diary, you know, and but it's just instead of using words. And I think um, something that we kind of, me and Max talked about before the opening of the show is, like, the repetition kind of represents like day-to-day life, whether you're like working class and you just have to get up and do the same thing, you know, five days a week. Or I feel like as a sense of safety as people, we gather our own kind of um, repetitive, not repetitive, but like systems of comfort. And those tend to exist in a way that we get used to for safety. Sometimes breaking those systems is important, but like having that system I think is a good way to manage all the crazy things that life brings. <laughs> um, I like running a lot and exercising repetitively, you know. Um, so repetition has always been something that's existed in my life. And yeah, of course, it'd be reflected in my painting practice. Because yeah, within those same things, like you do the same thing every day, but the the two the times you do it are never the same, even if it's the same action. And that's because humans yeah, are true. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I loved about your work when I saw it at Russell's group show in mm-hmm. London was that 
it's a meticulous kind of level of care. And there's something about that that's then encapsulated in this object. And that's what I felt like when I first saw Frida Kahlo's work mm -hmm. and people like that. You know, you know where the, the paintings are quite small, perhaps, but they're just so full of passion and love and maybe anger or, or whatever they are filled with. But but it's 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 sort of like saying that the human experience matters mm -hmm. and that people matter. Do you know what I mean? Like and that especially people that are being overlooked or treated badly or, yeah. you know, whatever the stories are. But but I feel like that's really what is why I love art. Yeah, and Just I think like Maureen like kind artwork. of taught me like how small work can have such a big impact. And then you look at artists like yes. Albert York who painted really small, but his paintings are so uh, devastatingly wonderful, you know, as a surface and as like a depth to it. And um, someone who I've really gotten a lot out of in the last year or so is Albert Pinkham Ryder. Um, so kind of like delving into his work over the last year, like the passion and these small little paintings of boats with a cloud or whatever that, I mean, there's like a crazy fury that can exist within a small work, or there can be like a sense of peace, or it can just be a kind of decorative thing. But yeah, I always think of, I like working small for that reason, because I can imagine them in like somebody's kitchen, you know, or like in the little hallway, just as a little thing that exists, but still like is super evocative. Yeah, I was going to say this latest body of work that we're seeing in these new paintings, there's a real abstracted line that's starting to appear. There's a few works there where you ha we're seeing the floral motif, but then there's this kind of energy, this cyclone that's appearing. And I don't know what it is, but it's, it's really exciting because I feel like this is like where we're seeing you going next, potentially. Do you feel like that as well? Yeah, I mean, you can see a lot of Cy Twombly in that, I'm sure. Um because I kind of think of like a lot of the paintings compositionally, like more with this series, this more newer work, they're kind of have like, they're almost like a dance, like a rhythm or like a play, like some of the ones that are more like flowy, you know, <laughs> I mean, I love dancing and um, body movement. And so having more line work that can be something that is an energy that kind of cuts into that movement is a decision and an energy that I'm interested in capturing and playing with. And I feel like with yeah, like I the pink it. color, there's like a sense of humor that I'm bringing to it. Um, but a lot of like, even the lines that I'm doing, it's like I do one line gesture and then I edit it down and then I do over. So it's like, even though it looks like one thing, there's a lot of editing within. A lot of decision <laughs> making. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I really, I'm just really exciting. And you've obviously had this this theme of night as well, but I, I noticed that you're, you've got another series now called Sea, which is almost like, mm -hmm. is that inside the sea, like deep sea Yeah, so those paintings I was doing a couple years ago, I think I was just, it was like a summertime idea. And um, we go to, like me and my friends, we like go into Rockaway Beach during the summer and like the Atlantic Ocean on this side. Um it's great. My in-laws have a house in Cape May, New Jersey, and that place, like their place there with the beach is one of the most like peaceful places to escape to. And so I was thinking of like the ocean a lot and the body and like seeing myself in the ocean. And so like kind of the greenish uh, New York <laughs> ocean color, which might not be pristine blue like the Bahamas, but there's still like something interesting about it. Um, yeah, I think of and at that time, too, I was thinking a lot about because that was happening like when there was a lot of um, global talk around Black Lives Matter and that kind of thing. And thinking of how the, the Atlantic Ocean has been 
a vessel for human suffering and maybe something created out of that or Albert Pinkham Ryder with his boats and Moby Dick. There's like a lot of <laughs> um, interesting things that I was thinking about at that time. I was making those ocean paintings, something I maybe want to go back to at some point, but I don't know. I need to nice. go to the beach. Well, before we get into our final questions, I just mm-hmm. want to ask you about titles because you sort of work in bodies of title. You have titles and they're an umbrella for a whole body of work and you're starting to number them which is quite a conceptual way of doing it, which I really, I'm really like appreciating. Is Thanks. is this something that that exists only in certain bodies of work, or is this something that going forward you're going to be doing more of? Um, I think I've always, I mean, I have a little bit of that conceptual thing inside me. Like, you know, I love Frank Stella, you know, um, and all the minimalist artists. Um, just because, I don't know, I'm nerdy and angsty and <laughs> drawn to a little bit of that kind of simplicity. Um, so yeah, they do. I mean, at this point, like I was like numbering, I was like, oh, night 62, like I'm that far up, you know, but I think it's a good, I feel like it's a good way to catalog what's what, cause I don't have too much. Um, I want the painting to kind of exist as its own thing. And I don't want to add too much of, um, overlay of narrative with right. the work. Cause I'm very much, it's like something I learned from Marine too. It's like, just to keep the paint as paint and like the object as its object and I admire that and takes a lot of discipline I think to do that and I'm a little bit of a masochist in that way too um so yeah I'll keep I mean the drum kits I can I can name them after the band but then I still have that little formal like the day that I saw the show you know um but having something a bit I love that that touch yeah yeah (laughs) Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for this. We're going to get into our final questions now. Yes, you survived. Great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're no, it's so easy. It's so, a lot so, of fun. <laughs> so, so welcome. If you could do an art heist, you could steal any work of art in the world for yourself and you could live with it and look at it every day, what would it be and why? Well, obviously, I would go to the Cy Twombly Gallery and there's one room that has like these green paintings. I have a picture of it on my studio wall right now because um, that's like the Holy Grail. And there's one by the door that is like in a white frame. And it's like he quoted like a Rimbaud poem. That's like my feelings sink like fishes in a pond or something like that. That painting, like the feeling sinking. I would just want that. I would look at that every day. I get a lot out of that. <laughs> All right, we'll get you that. Okay, cool. Love that. <laughs> no, it needs to be there. Um, it needs the to be there, question. though, for the people. So, but, <laughs> no, okay, you know. okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> we, we can just get you, like, exclusive access yeah, yeah, on yeah. your own. Thanks, yeah. Um, <laughs> out of hours, when you're on your stroll yeah. to find new flowers. Um, the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Uh, my favourite colour for a while has been um, really pale yellow. Like, there's a Williamsburg extra yellow pale. Because it's like, it's white but it's not but it's also like butter where it's like that creaminess I feel like that kind of color really captures like the creaminess of paint and I want to eat it and I like being in a room that's yellow I like you know yellow flowers so it's like refreshing but very substantial and I like eating almond croissants (laughs) you know is is that an expensive color i mean if you're going to eat that is that a hundred dollars worth of paint no i can eat that i can i can live on that that's easy it's like beans (laughs) (laughs) and what what is the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your art 
when it comes to my art, um, well, listening to podcasts while making art is pretty good. But Maureen's partner in school told me his artist named Jason Tommy, who's wonderful, intelligent and a great art educator. He told me after seeing my first show with Delhi not to fall in love with my own mark. So that kind of I don't know what that means. I still think about that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, How do you not do that? I don't know. I guess he means don't don't be complacent too much. Like like if you've got something that you're good at, yeah. don't just rely on that too much. Yeah. Because then I guess you're repeating too much without without pushing yourself further, perhaps. Yeah. And so a lot of like I said, like all the marks that I make on a painting, they're edited over and over again because I'm like, I can't fall in love with it. I gotta make it something different. And oh right. So okay. I think so of that fight against all it. the time. Wow. Yeah. Just to get to somewhere else, I think. But I'm still, it'll take me my entire life to figure good. that out. <laughs> but I think that's great because it, it sort of encourages you not to be lazy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or or yeah, just complacent. Yeah, yeah. That's the only word I can think of. But like, you know, if you think, oh, I'm really talented, look, I can do this. But don't 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 allow yourself to feel that. You've got to feel like I've got to push myself. Yeah, you always have to challenge to make and something to grow even better. and to not, yeah. Yeah, not get comfortable in what you're making. Because even if, and with repetition, that's a very dangerous place to fall is like it could yeah. be so easy to make the same painting over and over with it because you're already working with one subject matter yeah. but in order to get beyond it as a way to just keep yourself engaged and to make something interesting you have to kind of always be questioning what you're doing and jason tommy makes work uh with pencil a lot doesn't mm-hmm. he? he does loads of drawings yeah his drawings are incredible and I- Fanatic. They're incredible, but I, I guess that's also why that's interesting advice coming from him, yeah. because he's also making work that's visually could be similar every time, but actually they're all quite yeah. unique. So that's and he does installations and very detailed oil paintings that are, like look like nothing, but there's so much in there. Um, yeah, he mm. was someone who's also really important to me, like in my education. Um, learned so much from him. Can't even say how much. <laughs> Well, this has been amazing. We've learned so much from you and we continue to do so. Thank you so much for doing this, finally, Alexandria. Oh, thank I've you. I've been a big fan of yours for a few years now and uh, it's it's a total pleasure to, to do this with you. So for everyone listening, Alexandria's show New Paintings is uh, opened on the 5th of January and is on until the 10th of February at the Delhi Gallery, which is in Tribeca on 36 White Street. Are you on Instagram yourself? Yes, it is at Alexandria Tarver. And you can also listen to the playlist that I like making on my Spotify profile. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. we will do that. Oh, cool. We love that. And you can also go to at Delhi Gallery um, on Instagram as well, and you'll be able to see images if you're not in New York, but you want to share in the joy. And we will be posting images of Alexandria's work as well. Alexandria, thank you so much. Big shout out to Max Marshall as well for uh, Max, being Max, Yes, thank Max. you, Max. Yeah, Max, 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 Max. And, yeah. uh, all success to both of you. I'm really Thank glad you. that you guys are sort of rising together and being loyal to each exciting, other and supporting yeah. each I'm other. Very, it's a very, very lucky. Positive story. Ah, so uh, we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, Thanks, Alexandria. Thank Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Talk Art.